Welcome. Great to see you. Everybody doing good? All right. All right. Well, today uh, I've entitled this message, Heaven Floods the Earth. Now I want to begin with the words of Jesus as he is up on the Mount of the Beatitudes and he's bringing that great sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, but I say to you, don't swear at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne or by earth because it's his footstool nor by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Now, when Jesus returns, he is ultimately going to end up in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he is going to reign from Jerusalem. And may I just say I'm very excited that our nation has finally moved our embassy to Jerusalem. It's about time. It's about time. It is the city of the great king. So, so Jerusalem, it has a past. But you need to understand, it's the city of the great king. Jerusalem has a future. And that, that is one of the reasons I love to go to that city. It's not just what happened there, but it's what's going to be happening there. So notice that Jesus... He's referred to as a king. It's the city of the great king. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When Jesus showed up, his first message, and by the way, it was his message, all of his messages. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew 21, tell your daughters, O Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. In Matthew 27, it says this in verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, that was Pilate, and the governor asked him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, it's as you say. What did, one, what did Pilate want to know? Are you the king of the Jews? They took and put a crown of thorns on his head and a purple robe on him and a fake scepter in his hand. And they mocked him saying, hail, king of the Jews. And when he was put on that cross above his head in multiple languages, it says, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. When Jesus arose from the dead in Matthew 28, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, who has authority? A king. Now, the king of what? Well, we can say Jesus is the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the king of nations. But we would, we would be better to say that Jesus is the king of the earth. In the book of Genesis, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And I, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to tell you what happens. And so God said to God, literally, God said, I'm going to bless you and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you and I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham's like, I don't have any kids. How can this possibly be? And God said, go and get a heifer to divide them in half and some birds and make some altars. Now, you and I hear that and we think it's a barbecue. <laughs> but when Abraham heard that, that's not what he heard. He heard covenant. 
So the, the tradition was that with these altars, the, the animals are divided in half and there's blood everywhere. And the people that were making the covenant would walk in between those pieces and they would like make circle eights and they'd talk to each other and they would make promises to each other. Most people today, the only covenant you ever enter into in your life is when you get married. And how many know when you get married, you make some promises to each other. So as Abraham is waiting, he's divided the animals and the Bible says he falls asleep. Now, this is the equivalent of winning the biggest sweepstakes there is. You got a check for $100 million on the way and you know it's coming in the next hour and you fall asleep. You know, you don't. But Abraham falls asleep. And the Bible says that when he fell asleep, that a smoking furnace and a burning torch walked through those pieces. Now, literally, it is God the Father and God the Son who walked through those pieces. The New Testament tells us in the book of Galatians that he made the promises to Abraham and his seed, not to seeds as of many, but to seed as his one Christ. So Jesus walked through the pieces and God the Father walked through the pieces. And as they're walking through, they're making a covenant. They're promising each other things. And basically in a, in a covenant, if, if you break your promises in a covenant, I mean, you, you, you literally, you cease to be who you are. Well, the Bible says that the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. So here's what happens. Somebody came and stood in proxy for Abraham. And the Bible tells us again in the New Testament that it was Jesus. Now they're making promises to each other. And this is most likely one of those promises that were made in Psalms chapter two, where God said, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Because Jesus is the king of the earth. Now, the controversy is this, that there is a usurper. Satan is the usurper. Now, before Jesus, I want to just, just get you to think just a little bit this morning. I know a lot of you, you're used to going to church and leaving your brains at the door. Put them, bring them with you today. Was there, was there, was there any other human being who was king of the earth? The answer is yes. And his name was Adam. When God created him, he said, he created him. And the first thing he said is, let him have dominion. Let him have authority. Over what? Over all the works of his hands. So what happened was Satan came, tempted Adam and Eve. And when they bowed their knee to Satan, there was a transfer of authority. In fact, when Satan in the New Testament tempts Jesus, he takes him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in just a moment of time. And the devil said to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, all will be yours. 
Now, if the devil's lying, there's no temptation, right? Now, he said someone delivered to him the authority and the glory of the earth. Who did? Adam did. Because God gave it to him in the beginning. And so what has happened is the usurper has come and he has taken and been using Adam's authority. In fact, the Bible calls him the God, small g, of this world or this, this age. Jesus refers to him as the Bible does as the prince of the power of the air. So, so he's using authority that he deceived and manipulated and got away from Adam and Eve. But when Jesus came, what he came to do is he came to restore that authority to man. I want you to think about this statement. The whole Bible, and really we can say this, is written about two men. And they have the same name. The first one, his name is Adam. He lived in a garden and his wife's name was Eve. That was the first Adam. Now, what he did, he and Eve, is they bowed their knee to Satan. They lost their authority and they created a great big mess. All of us are part of Adam's family. We're part of Adam's family, you know. That's why we're messed up, because we're part of the Adam's family. Now, li listen, the first man, Adam, this is the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, became a living being or a living soul. But the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was the first representative man. We could even say he was the first prototype man. But he blew everything. So God sends a second, but really a last Adam. And just like Adam represented us in what he did, the Bible says that, that Adam and sin, thus sin passed to all. Adam's sin affected you. It affected me. He was our representative. So God sends a last representative man. And the Bible refers to him as the last Adam. You know him as Jesus, the Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he came to represent you in everything that he did. In fact, that is why he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men into myself. What Jesus was saying, when I go to that cross, I am going to represent all of humanity. And when I go to that cross, I'm not dying for my sins. I'm dying for the sins of all of humanity. I'm not coming here to, to that cross to redeem myself. I'm going to that cross to redeem all of humanity. And what Jesus did was he came to bring a new branch of humanity. Because when God looks at us, we might look at the pigment in somebody's skin and say they're red, yellow, black, or white. God could care less. And as a Christian, you should care less. And we might look, look, we might look and say, well, they're German, 
They're Italian, they're Chinese, they're Japanese, they're from whatever country. But when God looks at humanity, he sees humanity as being either in the first Adam or the last Adam. You are connected to one of those two representative men. Now, the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ or if anyone is connected to the last Adam, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what's that saying is this, that when you receive Jesus and you are connected to the last Adam, there's stuff on the inside of you that passes away and there's stuff that becomes new. The Living Bible actually says it. you become a brand new person on the inside. One translation says you're a new species of being that never was before. So you, you, you become a part of the last Adam's race. Now, what he came to do was to restore. In fact, Acts chapter 3 says, In that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the restoration of all things. Heaven must receive him until when? The restoration of all things. See, God's plan is a plan of restoration. In fact, the Bible tells us in Colossians 1 verse 3, he has delivered us from the power or the kingdom of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Originally, what we had on earth was we had man and woman living in a beautiful garden, God coming down and having fellowship with them. God's plan is to restore that picture. In fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 21, this is what the Bible tells us. It says that the, God creates a new heaven, literally a new atmosphere and a new earth. Now, what a lot of people think, Christians, is they think that we're going to go somewhere. And I'm going to talk to you about this in just a moment. Now, if you die, you will go to heaven, but it's temporary. It, heaven is temporary, as you know it, as you think about it, it's temporary. And here's why it's temporary. Because then the Bible says there's a new heaven, there's a new earth. And then it says, I saw the new Jerusalem, God's city, coming down out of heaven and it comes to earth. Where does it come to? To earth. And then God says, and I'm coming down with it. He said, and I will dwell with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. And he said, I will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. He said, behold, I make all things new. He makes them new. See, God's plan is not retreat. God's plan is we're going to come and we are going to restore. There's going to be restoration and I'm going to make all things new. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and you look at Revelation chapter 21, you'll find out there was a detour, but God's taking us right back where we were on this earth with him there. We're his people, no death, no pain, no sorrow, no regret, no tears. It's gone. 
God's plan is to restore all things. That's where we're headed. A restoration of all things. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, salvation is about the kingdom of God. I I think it's so interesting in the book of Acts chapter two, the church is being born that day. The Holy Spirit is falling. And and this is what this is. This is what Peter preached. He said, he said, be saved from. And you're thinking hell. But this is what he said. Be saved from this perverse generation. What? Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, he wasn't talking about get baptized and they'll keep you under and you die and you go to heaven. He was talking about God's going to do something on the inside of you. And what he's going to do on the inside of you is going to make you a pilgrim on this earth because this world system will no longer be your home. The world system that's here, it's not going to be your home. Salvation is about Jesus' dominion. It's about his kingdom. Salvation is about the restoration of all things. And big picture salvation is not about your dying and escaping and going to heaven. Big picture salvation is not about you get out of here. Let the devil have this world. Let it, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we're out of here. I've actually heard people preach that. But that is not Bible. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. And by the way, the Greek word there is the word Z-O-E, Zoe. And it's life as God has life. And it doesn't start when you die. It starts instantly when you identify with the last Adam. God's plan is to restore the world. And again, people say, well, we're just going to get raptured. We're getting out of here. Let me tell you again. The rapture is tactical and is temporary. When a rebellious world exhausts God's mercy, there will be judgment. And the book of Revelation talks about it, that God's going to pour out his wrath on the earth. But something has to happen before that does, because the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. The Bible says that he reserves his wrath for his enemies. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, there's going to be a leaving. But it's temporary. And if a Christian dies, they do go to heaven, but it's temporary because heaven is going to come to earth. Zechariah 14, 5, thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. How many ever had a class picture, family picture? Wave at me. You know, when you look at that picture, who do you look for? You. And if you look good, it's a good picture. If you look bad, bad picture. This is a picture of Jesus coming back 
And it says, and all the saints, that's you, are with him. You're in the picture. And by the way, you look good. When you're with Jesus, you always look good. When Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What he's saying is this. He said it later. He said, the kingdom of God's within you. So the kingdom is within you. It's here now. And yes, it's coming. It will be enforced when Jesus returns. But for right now, that kingdom is in you. And it's supposed to be manifested through you. And your number one priority is supposed to be, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So Jesus returns and the cry of the Christian heart is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But it's not come and just get us out of here. The focus of all end time prophecy in the Bible is that the king and his kingdom are coming. You got that? It's not get saved, be forgiven, do everything you want. When you die, you just go to heaven and everything's going to be good. No, the focus of all Bible prophecy is that the king and his kingdom are coming. Not get out of here, but the kingdom is coming. Again, the promise that the father made, ask of me and I will give you the nations of your as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus is coming to sit on the throne of his father, David. And the angel Gabriel said to Mary, and of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. That kingdom, it is eternal. So salvation is not about going to heaven when you die, but it is about ruling and reigning with Jesus in the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. Now, there's things happening around the earth today. In, in Nepal, in 1960, there were 25 Christians in the entire nation. Today, there's over a million. There's a great revival happening right now in Iran. In North Korea, in the last six years, the number of Christians in North Korea has multiplied over five times. There is, there is revival, all right? And that is a form of the kingdom coming. But, but, but I want to I try to help us be, be thinking kingdom, restoration. Greek thought, which really, really influenced a number of the early church fathers, was that the material world is evil and the spiritual world is good. In the New Testament, there's a number of places where a, the Gnostic heresy is, is addressed. Uh, they believe the same thing. The material world is evil. It's bad. But the spiritual world is good. To the degree that they were actually teaching that Jesus, when he came, he did not come in a physical body. He came in a spiritual body. And that's addressed by John the Apostle when he says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What's he saying? He, he, he's saying when Jesus came, he came in a physical body. When, G, when, when God created this world, do you know what he said? He looked at it and he said, it is good. It is good. 
But what has happened in the mind of most Christians, we look at everything and we think it's all bad. But what God says is he said it's good. He created the material universe and said it's good. The problem is that sin has had an effect on this world. It's had an effect on creation. I mean, the, the earth has been cursed because of sin. In Romans 8, it says, for we know that the whole world groans and labors and birth pains until now. What's it waiting for? It is waiting for the restoration of all things. But the result of our, our, our just thinking about, I'm just going to go someplace. I'm going to go someplace where Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. And we're trying to get someplace to the kingdom. But what he's saying, the kingdom is here. So we retreat from society. And we've got this was well, a big bad world mentality. And a lot of people are like, you know, that world's going to hell in a handbasket and let the devil have it. But listen, Satan steals. He doesn't create. He uses things that can be good or bad and tries to bring evil. But the truth is God, God is into restoration. And the kingdom of God should affect every area of society. It should accept affect our music, our art, our politics, our banking, our education, our sports, our entertainment, our military, science, judiciary, journalism, media, law, government, industry, plumbing, teaching, banking. It ought to be everywhere because wherever you go, the kingdom of God is to go. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. He said, so let your light shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your father who is in heaven. Kingdom is to come into every area of life. And as Christians, we need to re-engage in the culture and bring the kingdom. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a picture of the kingdom. God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to seek first the kingdom. We're not to live selfish lives, just seeking pleasure, going around without purpose. Okay. Uh, people just think, a lot of Christians think, well, this culture is inherently evil and it's sinful. No, that's Gnosticism. That's not Christianity. God wants us to affect every area of our culture. Anything that is not by its nature sinful or destructive, we are to possess. We're to bring the kingdom. We're to be involved. Let me just say, you are not called to be part of the mafia. I'm not talking about that. Or to be a drug dealer. But the kingdom of God needs pastors. But the kingdom of God needs farmers. And the kingdom of God needs plumbers. And the kingdom of God needs truck drivers. And the kingdom of God needs teachers. And the kingdom of God needs electricians. And the kingdom of God needs bankers. And the kingdom of God needs engineers. And the kingdom needs lawyers. And the kingdom needs doctors. He need, the kingdom of God needs to go into every area. Listen, it is just as spiritual to plumb a house as it is to preach a sermon when you do it in Jesus' name. It is just as spiritual. Martin Luther said that 500 years ago. He said, the milkmaid that milks the cow and the pastor that preaches the sermon, both 
in the same way, serve God. Everything we do, we do it, the Bible says, in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. And when you're doing it for God's glory, how many of you know you do the best that you can? And every place we go, we're to bring the kingdom. Now, when do we live? Now. Now. You see, for so many of us, our Christianity is by and by pie in the sky. Hello. And listen, there is pie in the sky, but there's pie now. There is pie now. It's not when you die. Your salvation doesn't start when you die. The kingdom doesn't start when you die. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, it is within you. It's within you. For God so loved the world. The world. We're not supposed to retreat. We're supposed to advance. I remember that old song, Onward Christian Soldiers. We need some more of that. Because that is the truth. And, and, and uh, listen, somebody said, well, you know, there's certain people, they're, they're doing crossover. They're supposed to, you know, kind of be being kind of Christian and kind of not. Listen, listen, too often they don't bring the crossover when they cross over. But whatever we do, we need to bring the crossover. No matter what it is that we're doing. Now, now, most of you, I, I think, have, have seen the picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. I think we've got a, a copy of it. You know, it talks about Revelation 13. He stands at the door and knocks. It's the door to your heart. And if you're not right with God, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. But for the majority of us that are here, we're right with God. And Jesus is on the inside trying to knock the door down so he can get out. He's not on the outside trying to get in. He's inside and he wants out. In fact, the Bible, listen, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, what's on the inside of you, it's got to get out. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, it is within you. It's within you. So we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I've got like one and a half more thoughts. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Some people call that the fivefold ministry. They're gifts that Jesus gives to the church. Now, listen to verse 12. This is why there's pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles. His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. So, so what's God's purpose? His purpose is to equip God's people, that's you, for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ. Another translation, so that his people would learn to serve and his body would grow strong. Another, for the purpose of training the saints for the work of serving in order to build up the body of Christ. Another, he gave all these people so that they might prepare God's people to serve. Then the body of Christ will be built up. So my job, according to Jesus, and he's the boss, he's the king, he's the head of the church. My job 
is to equip you to serve. The King James Bible says to do the work of the ministry. So, so I want to ask you a question because you are like my report card. Are you serving? Because that, 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 that literally is the reason the Bible says that I'm here is to equip you to serve. In Ephesians 2 and 10, it says that God has prepared good works beforehand for you to do. He's taken paths and he's prepared them ahead of time for you to walk in. So, so the, the, the real question is, are we serving? And if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, we're going to be serving. We're going to be serving. In fact, this is, this is my half a thought. Romans 12, verse 11 says, don't let your enthusiasm wane. Be spiritually alive, binding yourself to the Lord in service. Here's, here's the truth. Your Christianity will never feel right, and it will never be right until you start to serve. Your enthusiasm will wane. It will just be like something's just not, it ain't right it needs to be. It's, ain't, it's not right. You know why? Because you are a dead sea. Because there's something flowing in and there's nothing flowing out. You know, they say the Dead Sea is, is like the only body of water where nothing can live. Nothing. Because it's receiving, but it's never giving. And we were not created to just receive. We weren't created to, to have a customer mentality in Christianity. Christianity is not an, ob, an observer's sport. Everyone is supposed to participate. Everyone is supposed to serve. And we've got plenty of places you can serve here, but I'm telling you, there's a hundred great organizations in Grand Rapids where you can serve, where you can give of your time and your energy and your talent and your resources. But every one of us, we need to serve. That's his purpose. His purpose was to equip you for the work of serving, that you would build up the body of Christ. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Again, in a group of this size, there's a lot of people that Jesus is on the inside wanting to get out. But there's some of us that are here. You're not right with God. And Jesus is at the door of your heart. And he's knocking. He said, if you'll open, he said, he will come in. He will come in. Now, when he comes, he just comes one way. He comes as our king. Now, the Bible teaches us that for forgiven people go to heaven. Not good people, but forgiven people. But that everyone is welcome. Everyone gets in the same way. Everyone can meet the requirements. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That means all of my good works could never make me right with God and all of your good works can never make you right with God. There's just one way. And Jesus said, I am that way. That's why he said, you must be born again. So what does that mean? That means you need to receive him. In fact, the Bible says in John 1, 12, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. You need to receive him as your king, as your Lord. Turn your life over to him. 
That's why the Bible says today, it is the day of salvation. And I want to say this, salvation is not about your head. It's not about what you know. All of us know the truth. We celebrated Easter. We celebrated Christmas. But you don't receive Jesus in your head. Salvation is about your heart. Salvation is about giving him all of your heart in all of your life. And he is not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you into giving your heart. But today is the day of salvation. And you need to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. And if you're here and you'd say, I want to get right with God, I want you to listen. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, lift your hand. We're going to pray together. God's going to meet you right here. As you lift your hand, the first thing you're going to be saying is, God, I know I need to receive Jesus. And I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven. And I'm coming to be saved. One, as you lift your hand, you're saying, today I'm giving Jesus all my heart, all my life. I'm holding nothing back. Two, get ready to lift that hand. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today by faith, I'm receiving Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. Blood wash me from my sin. Make me a new person on the inside, a part of his kingdom today and forever. Three, just lift that hand up. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. Thank you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Include me. Include me. Right over here. Thank you. God bless you. Would everybody please stand? And I'm going to ask everyone to just take one hand, place it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. And let's pray with those who just lifted their hands. I want you to make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my king, my Lord. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.